And now, welcome to the holiday season edition of The Strong Room. Macmillan Estate Planning presents Christmas, the moments, the memories. A collection of real-life stories and songs that capture the true spirit of generosity and goodwill. We hope you enjoy this program and that it will bring back some special memories that brought joy to your heart. The people you'll hear are from different walks of life, but for each of them, Christmas has special meaning. For Kathy, a childhood memory stands out when she and her brother created a special moment for their dad who was confined to a wheelchair. When he was uh, still at home, he would be in bed until about noon and then some orderlies would come in and get him out of bed and um, get him all ready for the day and get him into his wheelchair. Well, as you can imagine, Christmas time is a fairly busy time and a lot of orderlies and, and other people are on holidays. Um, so they were quite backlogged, so they had no idea when they would be coming to get him up out of bed. And um, my brother and I felt this to be a, a real downer. You know, Christmas Day, you want, you want everybody to be there and everybody joining in on opening their gifts. And So the Christmas tree, we always, as a family, set it up in the living room. But my dad's room was quite a ways away from the living room. So we decided, my brother and I, to unplug the lights from the Christmas tree and, and just manually pick the Christmas tree up and carry it into my dad's room and set it up in there and then take all the presents and place them again under the tree and, and go from there. And I think for my whole family, that's been um, a Christmas memory that, uh, that we laugh about because it was, it was very funny watching this tree moving down the hall. But it was also um, sort of a, a sacrifice, maybe a, a small one, that my brother and I made. Um, and to me, it said, we need to be together as a family. Um, and it wasn't so much the tree. The tree was just a symbol for us, I guess. But it was just really important for us as a family that we not let um, illness get in the way of, of a celebration. For Carl, a treasured Christmas memory was a time when he was overwhelmed by the kindness and generosity he was shown by people on his paper route. It was a winter when the weather was bitterly cold and times were hard for his family. They met me at the door, house after house after house, and I was overwhelmed by the people who made sure that their paper boy got a Christmas card and a Christmas gift. And I got to this one house and the lady met me at the door and she said, Merry Christmas, Carl. And she handed me a little package. And I said, thank you, and I walked on. Um, and I always remembered that I, I wore these brown cloth gloves. And in Minnesota, it often got very cold. And so in 20 below zero weather, you got the brown cloth gloves on. It, they just aren't the warmest. And... Um, Money was always tight, and this lady met me at the door, and she gave me a small package, and I opened the package, and it was one of these little hand warmers that you give, that fishermen use. And by the end of that month, or that couple of days of collecting for that month, I had received from people in gifts and, and uh, presents over $200 in Christmas gifts from people. Warm is her 
For Lise, there was a favorite Christmas memory of moments in a senior's home. What happened is a few times before Christmas in the fall, my sister and I would go and we'd do these free afternoon mini concerts for these older people and just get to know them and they would love us, they'd hug us and they'd say, nobody cares enough. How come you guys would come and do this for us? And we just said, well, we, our grandma was in that home and that's how we kind of got in touch with the people there. So um, it was good to get to know them. Every time you went back, you got to know them a little bit better, but they liked us so much. They asked if we would come back and do a Christmas uh, dinner and then concert, help them with the music afterwards. And we just said, of course we'll do this. Um, whatever it takes, you know. So we put up an hour program and, you know, people were, were wheeled in from everywhere in the area. It was this big banquet and we arranged Christmas carols and we had instruments um, that we could let them use, you know, like these shakers and these tambourines. And, and we had these older people just all playing on jingle bells or <laughs> Where they, where they could, and this one lady, she, she just wouldn't stop playing it. She just loved it so much, the bells. And there's something about the bells at Christmas time. But it was a wonderful day, and it's those kind of moments that you're, you don't even want to leave. Before we had children, Ted and I decided we wanted to do something very different. And we want to share the love and joy of Christmas with, with others, you know, that maybe did not have people to share it with. And I don't know how we ever came up with this idea, but somehow an orphan. We thought, let's go to an orphanage and see if, if somebody is left behind at Christmas for any reason that doesn't have a home that they can go to. Because most children have... Uh, apparently support families and things like this. So anyways, we did call one orphanage and, and they had said, well, this time I'm not sure. But anyways, we got a call back. And the lady said, listen, we have one little boy left that the people that normally would have taken him home for Christmas, something came up. So they asked if we would take this boy. But there was only one thing. He was, he had special needs. So we thought, doesn't matter, doesn't matter, we're, we're coming. And we went and picked him up a few days before Christmas. And here's this nine-year-old nine boy, his name was Roger. And so we introduced ourselves and we asked him if we could share our Christmas with him. And so we took him home and we had a blast. We took him to our family gatherings and, oh, I've never seen a boy eat so much. It's like he couldn't get enough turkey and that stuffing and mashed potatoes and just the, the happiness that was happening around. He was thrilled. And, and just to be able to share and make somebody's Christmas special, that was a memory I will never forget. Christmas, the moments, the memories.
Christmas? Well, for me, Christmas was depressing. You know, it's so commercialized. Some stores have, have the Halloween decorations up and the Christmas decorations up at the same time. And the post-Christmas blues. Oh, man, one day and it's all over. And I used to ask, why can't Christmas last just a little longer? Maybe, like, a couple of months? But then I started thinking, you know, Christmas doesn't have to end for me. I can give gifts all year, and for me, that's the best part of Christmas, so that's what I do. I don't give much, really. I mean, last year I gave one day a month to the food bank, just helping out a bit. And this year, well, I don't know yet. There's a senior's place just down the street, but whatever I do and whatever I give, if it makes somebody else feel good and it makes me feel good, isn't that Christmas? The moments, the memories, Christmas. Brett talks about a character he portrayed in a Christmas play. A. Cornell Wilder was a washed-up actor, and he'd been at the top uh, of his profession. He was uh, a star, so to speak, and uh, he was, he'd been rich, he was famous. And through that, he lost his wife. His wife had died. Uh, his son, uh, he abandoned his son, and uh, now it's come full circle. He's now has no money, um, the star is tarnished, and uh, he lives in a bottle. And he's lived in a bottle for a number of years. And it's so bad that his agent could only get him a job um, acting in a um, church play, uh, The Christmas Carol. And he's gotten the lead of playing Scrooge. And he's very upset because, you know, here he is, a big star, and he's got to play in this stupid church production of A Christmas Carol. And he gets uh, involved and in the scenes. As he gets into the scenes, what comes out of the scenes is, is the, he remembers uh, losing his wife at one scene and uh, seeing his child as, as, a, as a, a, a young son. And it flashes. He has these flashbacks during the uh, production. And then um, he's playing Scrooge, and then the fella coming in playing um, uh, Bob Cratchit uh, comes in to play opposite him. And through the play, what happens, he finds out that this is his son that he hasn't seen for years and years. And he's got to play this scene out with his son as Bob Cratchit, him as Scrooge. And what happens is that the son turns around and accuses his father of leaving him, and they get into this very dramatic uh, scene between the two of them. In fact, during the run of the show, we, had, we could hear people crying and sobbing in the front row because these two had finally got back together. It was that real, and it felt that real for me. Uh, it was just a phenomenal uh, experience for me to, to have that kind of effect for an audience. On our Christmas Moments and Memories, Pat vividly recalls a dark Christmas Eve night after he'd been kicked out of his home. I walked my way down to um, their place, and as you walk by on Christmas Eve, everyone's celebrating Christmas, and there's, there's, uh, uh, there's lights and Christmas trees, and you can see people partying in windows and having a good time, and the families together. I says, yeah, maybe i got to go home. Maybe they'll take me home tonight. Maybe it's time. And I got down there, and I... I they lived in the middle of uh, 13 acres of land, very dark out, and it was around midnight. 
And as I walked up to the window, window, they couldn't see me on the outside. And the tradition in our home was that you'd open up your gifts on Christmas Eve that night. And I watched as they picked up a gift, and my brother gave it to my mom, and my mom gave one to my dad, and they started giving gifts, gifts around. And there was one gift under the tree, and I said, you know, that's gifts that got to be for me. And uh, they picked it up, and they gave it to my brother. And I ran into the bushes, and I cried. You know, it's not cool to cry. And you're taught that from the time you're, you're, you're two years old. It's not good to cry. And I bawled. I bawled my eyes out. And I, I didn't know what to do. And I felt like I lost absolutely everything. And I, I finally left the bush and I started walking. And as I walked uh, downtown, which in that town they call uptown, uh, one figure, one person come walking towards me. And I says, I wonder who's out. No one's out. In a little town of 2,000. And everyone's at home. And this girl come walking up to me, and her name is Janet, and she, um, I said, what are you doing out here? She goes, someone saw you walk by and phoned me. And she put her arms out and she hugged me. And then she, she took out a little gift, and it was wrapped up, and it had a little ribbon on it, and it said, Merry Christmas, Pat. Love, Janet. And I took it, and it didn't matter what was in it. Born into abject poverty, Joseph Moore died almost penniless and yet gave the world a timeless treasure. He devoted his life to serving people as a member of the clergy and found particular joy in helping present music programs in his church on Christmas Eve. In 1818, in the little Austrian village of Oberndorf, was heard for the first time a timeless song that has become perhaps the most beloved Christmas carol in the world. The words are a poem written by Joseph Moore. Stille Nacht, Heilige Nacht, Silent Night, Holy Night.
Stille Nacht, Heilige Nacht. From the album, O Sing We Now of Christmas. Thank you for sharing Christmas, the moments, the memories with us on the program today. May love, hope, and peace be yours as we celebrate the joy of giving and receiving. This is The Strong Room.